we uh, today uh, are entering into what's known as Holy Week, uh, the week where we uh, commemorate, where we remember, where we celebrate uh, the death of Jesus on the cross for us and his resurrection from the dead. And uh, I want to talk about all of that um, this morning. And I want to say at the beginning um, that uh, a lot of this uh, material uh, came from a friend of mine called Stuart Cameron. Um, I was wanting to pretend it was an, all an original Pilavarchi, but just in case um, Stuart happens to see this, I ought to credit him um, for no other reason than that. Um, now, every kingdom needs a coronation, and every coronation requires a crown. Uh, I don't know if you've seen The Crown on Netflix. I've watched it. I've watched it more than once. Uh, brilliantly produced. Uh, but uh, at the beginning of the program, we see Her Majesty uh, coming to her coronation. Uh, and today, um, we celebrate particularly Palm Sunday, which is where Jesus came into Jerusalem. Now, when Her Majesty was coronated, it was the 2nd of June, 1953, in Westminster Abbey. When she came to Westminster Abbey, she came in a gilded carriage uh, pulled by many horses, and there were three million people lining the streets of London uh, to celebrate her coronation, and it was full of pomp and circumstance. And she was in her gilded carriage, 2,000 years ago uh, in the Roman Empire, when the new Caesar came to his coronation, um, he, he would come on a great steed, a stallion, and, and uh, there would be uh, many uh, around, and, and it was all full of pomp and circumstance. When Jesus came into Jerusalem for his coronation, for that is indeed what it was, he came riding a donkey. And in fact, the colt of a donkey. And it was just not appropriate for somebody who was full of majesty, who was full of wonder. It was not full of pomp and circumstance. Yes, and the crowd uh, came out and they were greeting him and they were waving palm branches and they were singing Hosanna. But it was the same crowd that one week later were crying, crucify him crucify him and Jesus came on a donkey to show what his kingship was like meek and lowly lowly and gentle to quote a book that we are reading and he came like that and when he came into Jerusalem the first thing he did is he overturned the tables of the money changers and he drove them out and he said, my house will not be turned into a den of robbers. And he was angry. He was angry because that was the place where God was to be worshipped. And it became something that was full of human self-interest, full of human business instead of centred on God. And also he was angry because uh, the, the money changers were based in the court of the, of the Gentiles, the outer court, which was the one place where, where those who were outside the faith were allowed to come. And they were turned away so that it could be used for, for private business deals. 
And Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And straight after he turned them out, it says, it says in Mark's gospel, and I love it, it says that, that many uh, uh, who were blind and lame came to them and he healed them all. So the king who entered Jerusalem on a donkey, the two acts that he did after he came were, were, were sig signifying what his kingship was all about, which was the poor and the broken and the hurting and the despised. When Her Majesty uh, was crowned at Westminster Abbey, uh, she sat on St Edward's throne, which doesn't look particularly grand, but all but two monarchs in the United Kingdom have been crowned on that throne. And underneath the throne is the Stone of Scone, which signifies that she is Queen of Scotland particularly as well. And the crown with which she was crowned, it's priceless, is St Edward's crown. And it was, it was full of pomp and ceremony, as I've said. But when Jesus was crowned, it was very, very different. Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom, is an inside-out kingdom. And when Jesus began his ministry, just before he did, when he was 30, he went into the desert where he um, fasted for 40 days and nights and the devil came to him. Satan came to him and said to him, come on to the top of a mountain, look at all the world, you can have all the kingdoms of the world, everything can be, you can be king of all if you will just bow down and worship me. And Jesus, of course, said no. And uh, Jesus knew how he was going to become king, king of all the kingdoms of the world. And it wasn't that way. And he wasn't going to sell his soul. He wasn't going to sell his integrity for what seemed an easy way out. And that is a message for us in our day. To not sell, to not, not sell our integrity. Because if we try and grasp something uh, by selling out, you know what? It, 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 it ends up being nothing. It ends up meaning nothing. It doesn't last. We want to do God's work in God's way. And also, you know, when, when, when the, the crowd who welcomed Jesus on Palm Sunday, they shouted crucify him uh, the, next, the next week. Uh, it was amazing. In just a week, it was like the mob was turned. That would never happen today, would it? Or would it? Over social media, how quickly we raise people up and then we find something wrong with them and the nastiness and the hatred, and it's like a mob mentality. And for we as God's people, our role is to, is to side with the weak, is to side with the broken, is to speak up for those who have made even a mess of their lives and, and who think there is no way back. In the end, Jesus' throne was a wooden cross and his coronation crown was a crown of thorns. So different to her majesty, so different particularly to the Caesars of the day. Uh, uh, he was crowned with a crown of thorns. His coronation 
was not on a big throne, but on a wooden cross. The crown of thorns was his glory. It was his glory. And when Her Majesty uh, was crowned and it was like, the, if you look at the Netflix thing, it wasn't just the five pounds of the crown. It was like the weight of the responsibility came upon her. When Jesus was crowned with the crown of thorns, it weighed hardly anything, but it weighed everything because it carried the weight of our sin. It was heavy. It was heavy. The Gospels, the stories of Jesus' life and death, they would have been read in the early church as, as little manuscripts, as they would have been scribbled down by, by the house churches of Rome and all over the Roman Empire. They would have sat there and read them and they would have seen the incredible parallels between Jesus' coronation and the coronation of Caesar. The parallels are utterly amazing. And I want to tell you some of them now. The culmination of Caesar's coronation, when he became Caesar and they shouted, Hail Caesar, he entered, according to Roman custom, the pantheon of the gods. He became a god on earth. In fact, he was called the son of the gods. When Jesus was crowned on the cross, it wasn't to become a God. It was God who came and took it on so that we might become God's children. He did it for us, not for himself. Now, there were eight stages in the crowning of a Caesar. Eight stages. And I, I, I'm just amazed at the parallels with Jesus. In Rome... The Praetorian Guard, which was the elite forces, the Marines, the SAS, were 6,000 strong. And they would all gather for the coronation. And they would go to the new Caesar's home and they would, uh, they would gather Caesar from his palace and they would acclaim him as he went to the place where he would be coronated. They would acclaim him in Jerusalem. It was an outpost of the Roman Empire. And there were 200 Praetorian Guard there. That was all in Jerusalem. And they took Jesus. They took Jesus, but they didn't acclaim him. They mocked him as they took him. Number two, there was a robe. When the new Caesar was crowned, they would take a, a purple robe from the temple of Jupiter and they would put it on Caesar. Listen to this. In uh, Mark chapter 15, beginning at verse 16, the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spat on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. They were mocking him as a parallel 
to the crowning of Caesar. Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him. They found a purple robe and they put it on him. Then, number three, they came the acclamation of honour. They, they cried, Hail Caesar, as he processed along the streets of Rome. Hail, King of the Jews, mocking and humiliating him. Number four, for Caesar there was a triumphal procession into the heart of Rome and it was called Capitolone Hill and it would be the, the, the highest point in Rome and they would process Caesar in to the highest place in Rome. The crowd would line the streets spreading incense. There would be a sacrificial bull that would walk beside Caesar and the, and the two would walk together to the highest place. When Jesus was crucified, they didn't process him into the city of Jerusalem. They didn't process him to the highest point. They processed him out of the city of Jerusalem. They processed him to the margins. They, they took him away to hide him. In Rome, the emperor, the king, and the sacrifice were separate. Caesar and the bull. In Jerusalem, the king and the sacrifice were one and the same. One and the same. Number five, the elevation. Caesar would go to Capitoline Hill and literally means... The word Capitoline literally means head hill. And it would be the highest hill, as I said, in Rome. Jesus was taken outside the city to a hill called Golgotha. And that means the place of the skull. It was also called head hill, but in a completely different way. And remember, the early Christians would be reading the accounts and they would get it they would get it. This was the opposite of Caesar's coronation. Number six, the sacrifice. When Caesar was crowned, he would go to the temple where he would be in, in Rome, where he would be offered a bowl of wine mixed with myrrh. He would refuse it. It was symbolic. They would offer it to him and they knew he would refuse it. And then when he refused it, it would be poured over the bull as the sacrifice. And then the bull would be sacrificed. In Jerusalem, as we've said, the king and the sacrifice were one. We read, they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed, which, mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. Number seven. When he had been crowned and the bull sacrificed, would, he would ascend to his throne and he would take with him, listen to this, this is amazing. Caesar would ascend to his throne and he would take with him his, his number two and his number three, 
who were regarded as his, his closest allies, and they would sit on his right and his left. It would be like Caesar would be crowned Caesar, and he would take with him, and he would sit on Caesar's throne, and to his right would be the prime minister, and to his left would be, well, I don't know, the, the chancellor of the exchequer or someone like that. When Jesus was crowned on the wooden cross in the, in the skull hill, on his right and his left were two thieves, two rebels. They were sacrificed outside the city with him. In Jerusalem, they would be men of valour, men of honour that would sit with Caesar. In, in Rome, in Jerusalem, they would be scoundrels. In Jerusalem, Jesus ascends his throne when a cross is lifted up. Number eight. After Caesar ascends his throne and the crown acclaim him, they would expect for every Caesar heavenly signs. They would look for signs in the sky that would show that, that, that his divinity, that his divinity had rested on him. When Jesus... When Jesus died on the cross, there were heavenly signs. There was darkness from noon to three o'clock. There was the heavenly sign of, of the temple curtain being torn in two from top to bottom. And Josephus tells us that it was so thick that it would take 300 men to move it. And it was torn from top to bottom to signify that the barrier between holy God and sinful human beings had been broken down. And in Matthew's gospel, we're told that when Jesus died on the cross, the graves were opened and dead men walked. Dead human beings walked. And what I love is there was one soldier, one uh, captain of the Praetorian Guard, who stood there as Jesus breathed his last. He was the representatives of Rome's power, and this centurion said, surely this man was the Son of God. So Jesus is elevated with a cross and his as his throne and a crown of thorns as his glory. A cross as his, thought, as his throne and a crown of thorns as his glory. Just listen to what Melito of Sardis said hundreds of years ago. And so he was raised on a cross and a title was fixed, indicating who it was who was being executed. King of the Jews, they said. Painful it is to say, but more painful not to say, he who suspended the earth is suspended. He who fixed the heavens is fixed. He who fastened all things is fastened to the wood. The master is outraged. God is murdered. God is murdered. One empire 
the Roman Empire, the Roman Kingdom, was established through conquest and power with cruelty. The other kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, was established through sacrifice drenched in love. One was established through human power grasped. The other was established through divine power surrendered. What a saviour. What a God. And the question we're left with is why? Why like that? Why did it happen like that? Fleming Routledge, who's an amazing uh, lady theologian from the States, says that the degradation of Jesus' death is commensurate with the degradation of our sin. And it's all in the crown. It's all about the crown. The crown of thorns. The crown of thorns is a revelation of the power of the cross. How? I'll tell you how. When Adam and Eve fell, when they messed up, when humanity declared independence from God, when we disobeyed and walked away, sin, the coming of sin, was followed with a curse. God said at the beginning of Genesis, cursed is the ground because of you. It will provide thorns and thistles for you. The thorns and thistles were part of the curse. It was going to be hard now. It was part of the effect of, of, of human sin. What was the crown made of? Thorns and thistles. Folks, he was crowned with our curse. He was crowned with our curse so that we would be crowned with his glory. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is utterly amazing. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, Paul says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Why, why did he do it? Why did he do it? Because it's who he is. It's because of who he is. He is meek and lowly. He is humble and gentle. And God did it in character. And at the time of the Roman Empire, the contrast could not have been greater. When God came to earth, he did not go to the highest hill of Rome. He went to a small town outside a little province of the Roman Empire called Bethlehem. He walked everywhere. He rode into his triumph on a little donkey. And he sweated blood. And then he shed his blood. And he was crowned with thorns, with our curse. This is why we worship him. This is why we love him. What a God. Why would anyone 
not want to follow a God like this. As we enter Holy Week, I want to encourage us. Let's spend every day meditating on an aspect of the cross. And then we'll come together on Good Friday, for it was a Good Friday, to take communion in our homes as we celebrate together. And then we'll celebrate the resurrection on Resurrection Sunday. Amen.